The Local Youth Worker is a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. Since 1972, RYM has sought to reach and equip youth for Christ. And this podcast seeks to reach and equip those parents and youth workers who share that same desire. For more information on our student conferences, youth leader training, or resources, visit rym.org. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. This is episode 362, and I'm here with Kurt Cooper. Kurt, how's it going? It's going good, John. Uh, Kurt and I will be talking to his summer interns later in the episode, uh, just about transitioning from high school to college, so stay tuned for that. Um, Right now, I have Kurt here with me in our essential portion of the podcast, and he gave us an essential of a youth retreat last week, Um, but this week, we're starting a new essential, and Kurt, uh, today, we're going to be talking about an essential book for youth ministry. And of course, we've got to always say this, this is besides the Bible, because we would all say the most essential book you can have in youth ministry is the Bible. Um, So apart from the Bible, Kurt, what is an essential book for youth ministry? I only read the Bible. It's the only book I will read. I read no other books because (laughs) um, I like how you really (laughs) emphasize that. Uh, (laughs) Hey, people will come after us hardcore. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. Those are the people who correct your grammar um, also. (laughs) It's like you use the wrong your, you know. Okay, they did, but okay. (laughs) Um, uh, Anyway, Obviously, we commend that our students read the Bible. We, you know, that's that we commend the Bible to our students. But one book that we also give our students as a compliment, and we give it to every graduating senior, is the book "The Reason for God" by Tim Keller. I think I've done this book blurb every year at RYM for years and years and years. And there's some other books that kind of get at this same thing that might even be better or more useful, or you might find more appropriate. John and I were talking about some of those books off air, but uh, the reason that I like uh, The Reason for God is because, uh, especially for people who are leaving to go to college, is because it, it the chapters are basically objections to the gospel that you are definitely going to hear in your first two, three years at university somewhere, if that's where you're going, right? There can, you, you're going to hear them at, even if you're not at a university, but things like there can't be just one true religion or how could a good God allow suffering or Christianity is exclusive or the church is responsible for so much injustice or how could a good God send people to hell or science has disproved Christianity. These are all, these are the chapter headings. I'm just reading from the book right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those are the kind of things that uh, you should prepare yourself for when you go uh, into a larger, when you go to swim in a larger pond, uh, then your, you know, your local school, church, you know, youth group situation. Those are the things, uh, and you might not be ready to tackle those things at 16 or at 17. Uh, you might not be able to, ready to tackle them at 27 or 37, but um, but these are the things that you're going to be confronted with. And so I really like that. I, I feel like it's an essential book because it, it really does feel like it's literally equipping your students for something that you know they're going to be facing. It's kind of like giving them you know, like knee pads before you hand them the skateboard uh, or, you know, or, or, you know, a helmet before you put them on a bike. 
it's like, okay, you, this is something you're definitely going to face. And it could be a real challenge to you if you're not prepared to face it. So here's something that could help you face it. So that's one, that's one reason why I like that book so much. Thank yeah, you to Tim Keller for yeah. writing it. Most people don't know that Tim Keller is my pseudonym for the books that I write. But, um, <laughs> Excellent job, Kurt. Really. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, Kurt, I'm, I'm curious before we wrap this up, um, you, you've been giving this to students as they graduate. Have you had a student come back to you years later and say, thank you so much. I had yes. this argument. Go ahead. T- tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, I, I speci- more than one, but specifically what I remember is one student. I mean, obviously you give it to a student. You never know if they're going to read it or not. All you can do is give it to them. You can lead a horse to water. Will they drink? You know, it's up to the horse, I guess. But, um, but I did have a student that said that he did not read it uh, when he got it. And he had, you know, he was having some of these mental deep uh, questions about Christianity and he remembered that he had this book and he went and found it and got it and he read it and he came back and he was like, Oh, I should have read that before my freshman year. And I was like, yeah, you really should have. Um, if only someone would have told you to do it. Uh, you know, So uh, that really is like self aggrandizing to me. Right. It's like, it's not me. I didn't write the book. It's just like, Hey, you know, it, sometimes it can seem kind of arrogant to be like, Hey, you're going to, you know, I was right about this, but that's not what I mean. It's just like, Hey, I was in that same spot in college. For me, that book was mere Christianity Mm -hmm. by CS Lewis. For me, that was the book. I think I got to my sophomore junior in college and I had a lot of those kind of questions and I started and someone recommended that book to me and it really did have a profound impact on what I you know, on how I understood my own faith and, and what I believed. And I feel like the reason for God in a lot of ways is an Americanized and more modern, but a lot of mere Christianity's references are to, you know, it was written post-World War II. So it's reference to the Gestapo and Nazi and the Great War. And it's also British too, you know, the word color is going to have a U in it. And, <laughs> you know, it can feel a little off-putting at times. Uh, so the reason for God is a, it's kind of like an Americanized version of a lot of the same things that are, that are questions that are dealt with in mere Christianity. But yes, I did have a student come back and say, I, sh- I should have read that before my freshman year. And I was like, yeah, you, you should have. And he was, but he was so thankful that he had read it when he read it. So, yeah, no, that that's good. That's, that's helpful, Kurt. And that is, yeah, I'd say an essential of youth ministry or our books in that vein. I'm thinking of Rebecca McLaughlin's, you know, confronting Christianity or, and I always get this title wrong. I think it's 10 questions every teen should ask and answer about Christianity. Those, those books are helpful as well as surviving religion 101 um, by um, Michael Kruger, who was on just a, a few weeks ago. So people can, can check that episode out. Kurt, before we wrap this up, I just wanted to give our listeners a little bit of a preview for this summer. Um, throughout the, the history of this podcast, the, the long history of this podcast, um, we would often take a break in the summers. Um, this summer, we're going to try to continue to have new content uh, throughout the summer. Um, those who know anything about RYM know that we have six conferences in the summer. And so sometimes that can be a little bit of a challenge uh, to get these recorded and get up. But what we're going to try to do is sit down with youth workers at our various conferences and, and record some content. And some of what we're going to do is um, still have uh, you know, an essential book that we'll give at the beginning and then go to our rest of development section uh, segment. And then uh, the last segment is going to be FAQs 
um, of youth ministry. Uh, so the, the podcast team has, has listed several questions that we'll kind of wrestle with. Um, we also encourage people to email us podcast at rym.org and give us some questions, but we'll try to deal with some of those frequently asked questions. And again, we'll be polling some other youth workers and just see some of those questions that they wrestle with and uh, deal with a few of those uh, in our main segment. Um, so anyway, just want to give you guys a preview. That's the, the plan for now is to continue to have this podcast hearing in the summer. Um, if not, it's because of the, the conferences, um, but hopefully we can get some content to you guys. Uh, Kurt, thanks again for, for kicking off this essential book of youth ministry. And now here's our rest of development segment. All right, we are back with Dr. Kelly Capick, uh, author of You're Only Human, How Your Limits Reflect God's Design and Why That's Good News. Um, last week, we were kind of dipping into technology a little bit, and I'd love for you to talk about just some of the ways in which you've seen uh, technology um, pushing back and warring against kind of the, the creaturely limits that you talk about in your book. Yeah, I mean, again, and technology is a funny thing because nowadays when we say technology, almost all of us think computers and mm-hmm. cell phones. And the reality is a pencil is technology, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there, there's been technology for thousands of years, so it's it's not a new thing. Um, and one of the, and technology is meant as a gift from God, right? That That humans innovate and create a shovel and that helps in the labor, right? So one of the things we want with our technological innovations is for them to foster shalom. And shalom at its best is our um, right communion with God, neighbor, and the earth, right? And so one of the ways we test te- technological advances or, or, or our use of them, something could be good in one case and bad in another, the very same technological innovation, is is this fostering communion with God, with neighbor and with the earth? And so I, I think a cell phone could do, you know, smartphone could do all of those things in, in certain ways. Uh, and it could also be utterly destructive to all of those environmentally that, that one's easy, but actually we all know relationally, you know, you walk into a, a restaurant and you'll see families sitting around on the table and they're all staring at the phone and you're thinking, this is destroying this relationship. What are you doing? Hmm. Be present, you know, but also with God, we find um, being alone with God very difficult. It's too slow. It's not, it's not stimulating enough. So um, I'm interested in trying to think through that. And as I mentioned last time, I think the question of presence actually really helped me. And the surprise, you know, when you're researching and writing, at least for me, I often don't know where I'm going to end up. And one of the joyful surprises for me that I didn't expect is kind of my quote unquote answer to technology and these challenges was actually the fear of the Lord. Hmm. Um, I realized, I think that's the biblical answer because the fear of the Lord is not primarily about being scared of God or whatever. There are, there are times in scripture when it's very clear, the fear of the Lord is this like, Whoa, you know, um, uh, deep nervousness. But I actually think, you know, it's part of the way the scriptures contrast the wise, the wise person and the fool, the fool denies in his heart that there's the God, the wise, lives in the fear of the Lord. And what that means is they are in constant recognition of God's presence, goodness, and power, right? That kind of thing. We live constantly in light of him. 
And so I actually think cultivating the fear of the Lord is a way of learning and, and, and practicing the very presence of God. It's not that God is getting there more or less. It's our recognition of him. And I think by learning to be present with God, we, we actually also surprisingly become more able to be present with others. And so I think the fear of the Lord is, is really a healthy biblical path forward to navigate some of those things. That, that's really good. I've got, I've got to follow up and then I, I want Linda to jump in because something we, we talked about last week as well is just the problems of, of silence. And you actually might have just answered this, but but why is it so hard or why, why do you think it's so hard for us to just sit and to, to be silent, not to have a de- device in hand and just sit and, and try to be present where we are? Yeah, I think the silence terrifies us. I mean, it, it can terrify me and I, for, for various reasons. Some of it is... Um, for a lot of us, there are just voices of condemnation that come, you know, accusation, uh, to-dos that we haven't done, um, but also sins or, or, or those kind of things, self-doubts, um, and just various kinds of voices. And so we busy ourselves. And rather than in the silence, allowing the voices to come, but in that silence is also the way you actually can hear God's benediction. <laughs> Um, the way you can receive the smiling face of God and receive forgiveness and recognize. So part of what happens is by avoiding silence, it is a way of avoiding self-knowledge. And then we don't tend to have the healthy path of repentance unto life. But silence allows us to both recognize, oh my goodness, look, look at this. And I give it to God. And I can rest in his forgiveness and grace. But we're we're skipping that. We're just trying to, oh, maybe that wasn't good and move on. Um, and, and I just think silence is a space where we can grow comfortable. We, we grow in our knowledge of God and knowledge of self. And I just think that's so life-giving. And that then allows us to relate to others in more healthy ways. Yeah. Amen. That is so good. Uh, Linda, I'd love for you to jump in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I find one of the ways that I'm sometimes drawn to technology or to overworking myself or whatever has to do with, um, I don't, I just get so many messages of like, here's all the ways that you can get, you can optimize your personal life, (laughs) optimize the way that you exercise, like get better at the way that you teach in student ministry, get better Mm. at relational ministry, get better at the way that you lead your team. And so there's just all this stuff that I'm like, Oh, I should get better at it. And I want to get better at it as quickly as I possibly can. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Right. So how, how does that kind of intersect with what you're talking with about being a creature and having limits? Yeah, I love it. Oh, I'm there. I remember, you know, I did degrees and master's degree and a PhD. And I remember, especially like during the, my master's degree, I remember like going through a phase of reading and, and doing all kinds of stuff to get to become a speed reader, right? Because there's all these programs you can buy and books you're going to, I'm like, well, goodness, if I can move from you know, two or 300 words a minute to 1500 words a minute, I'm going to do it. Right. (laughs) And then you realize that's actually not reading. It's something else. Right. (laughs) And it's part of, part of what's happened is forever. We've tried to make uh, robots like humans, but the reality is what we've done is made humans like robots. Hmm. So, so real, there are, you know, people can read quicker, 
or slower than one another. But there's there's just a, a there are these ranges that are fairly human, and then it turns into something else, right? Um, and that, I just use that as a personal example to realize until I work through that and realize God doesn't think less of me for the slowness of my reading. That's huge. Mm -hmm. And I guess part of the whole optimization thing, we all love the idea of doing more faster, more efficiently, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but we know that the the more like a machine you are, the less relationally present we tend to be. And we always tell ourselves, well, I'll be more efficient so that I can then do more of these other relational things. But, and there's all kinds of uh, studies on this. With every technological innovation just comes new expectations. They, you know, they'll follow out you know, things like the vacuum. I'm so glad for vacuums, but all that happened very quickly is new expectations of cleanliness. With the laundry machine, I mean, it's just invention after invention after invention. So all that happens, we think we're going to, quote, save time, unquote. All it does is it tends, the, the irony is it tends to increase expectations and busyness, not slow them down. So it takes incredible courage to, to not buy into that. And the, the last thing I'll say on that, because I really like what Linda was saying, is um, here's the painful question I don't think we tend to address. And that is, what do we actually think God expects of us in any given day and in our life? Hmm. And we don't tend to articulate that, but that's behind the guilt and shame, right? That what do you actually think God expects of Kelly in order to be faithful today and this week and this month and this year and this life? And if you start to articulate it, which is painful, then you can and and do it out loud to someone. I think it's pretty revealing what you'll find. Because as soon as you say it out loud, you go, wait, that doesn't sound right. No. <laughs> wow. Um, that's really good. And uh, part of me just wants to say, okay, what is the answer to that question? <laughs> but, but, but I'd love for you, and this would, I think, tie into it, is um, what are some practices and boundaries you, you've sought to implement into your own life to kind of embrace this creaturely existence? And it could be answering that very question that you're talking about, but I'd love to hear just some of those, those boundaries and, and practices. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start with what I think is the answer to the question, actually, that you were, that you didn't want to ask, right? Is <laughs> I actually think the answer is, is faithfulness. And the problem is when we use language like perfection or righteousness or whatever, that gets romanticized and idealized in our minds. But Kelly Capic is a particular creature with particular strengths and weaknesses. And all of my weaknesses are not sins, right? I'm only so tall. I'm only so strong. I'm only so bright, uh, you know, and it's true. I can work out and get stronger. I can do certain things to increase mental ability, but the reality is we're talking about a range, right? Um, but also, it doesn't matter how hard you work or how much, you, there's only 24 hours in a day. And you and God is the one who gave you a job, who for some of us gave us spouses and children and relationships. And so all of those take time. So all that to say is, I think it's just helpful for me to not think in the abstract, but to think, and I know it doesn't solve the question. You still have to ask, well, what is faithfulness? But to reframe it in terms of 
what does faithfulness look like, I think can be very helpful. Um, anyway, some practices. Um, yeah, that's in the last chapter of book of the book, I actually go through some concrete practices. Um, it's nice the podcasts like this with reform youth ministries. I'm, I'm assuming you guys are familiar with things like Sabbath, um, you know, just honoring the day. It's very interesting when, and when I speak in certain reform circles and I bring up Sabbath or the Lord's day, a day of rest, people get nervous. They're like, Oh boy, here we go with legalism. <laughs> right. But when I speak in non-reform circles about, do you know that, that one in seven, you should, you shouldn't have to, you don't need to work. You don't need to, you know, feel like, no, that's too good. And that, and, and everyone doesn't believe me, but here's a test case. Cause I'm a college professor. Students who don't study on Sunday feel guilty, not just to their parents. They think that they're letting God down. That's a sign, wow. right? Where we have just culturally so driven one another that if we're not doing work every day, we feel guilty about it. So um, I, I think a one in seven pattern, and if we can avoid the legalism discussions and just move into, let's just start with, this is a day of worship and delight and not feeling guilty, just enjoying a meal with friends and a nap and being in nature and playing um, and worshiping with others. That's huge. Um, so that's big. I, it's interesting for, for me, uh, another area that I ended up researching and talking about, and I see it as a practice, um, is sleep, man. So I have a little bit of a theology of sleep in there. And that's partly because I'm 50 this year and sleep is not as easy as it used to be. And I wake up at two or three in the morning with all the worries of the world and realizing sleep is a spiritual discipline. Um, not in the sense of, you know, for various reasons, you can't control if you wake up and stuff, but what we can, can, what we can do is do, how do we think of sleep? Right. Um, I was talking with a pastor three weeks ago in, in an interview. And he told me when he was in college, he and others got so excited about don't waste your life that they thought we're going to, we're going to try and only sleep four hours a day <laughs> so we can devote our lives more fully to Christ. And this guy, 20 years later is literally telling me a year and a half ago, I almost lost my marriage, my ministry, everything, oh. because it wasn't that he was still just trying to sleep four hours a week, but that mentality of just doing more for Christ and sleep is a sign of weakness destroyed right? No, no, no. We can. And part of the beauty is we can sleep because God never does. Right. Mm -hmm. You can't sleep when you're in war unless there's someone watching your back. Right. Christians of all people are people who can sleep because mm -hmm. we don't have to hold the world up all the time. So anyways, sleep is a discipline. I, I talk about the practice of vulnerability. I talk about, I think the practice of um, practicing lament and gratitude, both of those are really important. Um, so those would be some of the things I would mention. They're obviously yeah. each longer conversation, but yeah, no, that's, that's good. I know, um, Dr. David Murray said, uh, that we all preach a sermon in our sleep and, and by how, you know, how mm -hmm. we, we sleep and that's, mm. that's so good. Um, maybe well, let me just, let me just, I'll just say one uh -huh. thing since just, yeah. just a quick wrap up then, since I mentioned lament and gratitude, um, these are important practices for Christians, even when it comes to our limits, because Christians are constantly tempted to lie and we're tempted by other Christians. We're tempted to either lie about how hard the world is and we're going to pretend like it's all good and everything's great and God's great. And so there's no problems. 
And that's a lie. This world is broken and doesn't honor God doesn't because it's not real. Um, but then we're also tempted to lie and pretend that God isn't good, that God isn't gracious, right? And the surprise is that lament and gratitude are two sides of the same coin. Um, they are both a recognition that God is God and we are not. So we can complain and wrestle and express our frustration and our confusion, and our questions to God and lament because God can hear it and he's the only one who can do something about it, right? A, a sign that we don't really think God is in control, but what we are is we never lament, right? And, uh, but then also the flip side is the practice of gratitude is simply the practice of recognition, recognizing his James. All good gifts come from above. And we were made to express gratitude, to be grateful, to take delight. And, and those are actually things you can practice. You can become better at, and they will help. People go, well, how do you cultivate an awareness of God's presence? Well, my uh, simple answer would be practice gratitude and lament hmm. throughout your day. That's so good. Uh, looking forward to continuing this discussion next week. Thanks again, Dr. Capic. Hey, everybody. Uh, I am here with Kurt Cooper. Kurt, how's it going? Hey, John. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Uh, you got to hear him at the top of the episode talking about his essential book uh, for youth ministry. So thanks for kicking that off for us, Kurt. Um, I'm also here with uh, three of Kurt's interns, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, just some of the, the struggles of transitioning from high school to college and just kind of talking a little bit um, about a lot of different things. Um, and Kurt, as I was talking to you pre-recording, I think this might be the record number of people we've had on one podcast episode. I cannot remember um, if if we've had, you know, five total, four guests at the same time. Maybe so. Those of you listening, y'all can point that out somewhere uh, if you can remember that. But I cannot remember. Kurt, I don't know if you remember because you've been on a lot of these, if you can remember this many. I don't remember having more than three. So this is this okay. is exciting. We I mean, might have to let them, let's let them introduce themselves so we know, so the listeners know who these strangers are who have broken into our podcast. Yes, I was just about to do that. So I'll just kind of go from, from my screen. Uh, Miller, why don't you tell us your name? Um, not where you're from because you're all from the same place, uh, but uh, yeah, college you're attending and year that you're there. Hey, I'm Miller Williams and I'm attending the Ole Miss, the University of Mississippi, and um, I just finished my sophomore year and I'm going into my junior year. All right, Ivy. Hey y'all, I'm Ivy Bop, and I go to Mississippi State, and I'm about to be a junior there. All right, and then Coleman. Hello, I'm Coleman Morris. I'm going to Auburn University, and I'm a rising junior. Okay. Yeah, so I appreciate the three of you taking the time to come on today. Um, so as I said, uh, Kurt reached out to me and said, hey, look, let's let's get uh, some of his interns on uh, to talk about just kind of the transitions from high school to college, uh, talk about a few different things. Um, Kurt, why don't you start us off, uh, since this was your idea, um, which I think it's a great idea. Um, <laughs> the way that that sounded condescending. No, I think it's a great idea. But why, why, don't, why don't you kick us off? No one, no one passes blame quite like John Parrott. So, hey, you know, <laughs> this is terrible. 
it was Kurt's idea the whole way. That's awesome. This is probably the best podcast he's ever done in turn. So we should go ahead. He should be telling us you're welcome. Or we should be saying you're welcome. Whoever's supposed to say it. It doesn't matter. We're off to a great start. Me, yeah, this is this is really this awesome. is setting the podcast world on fire right now. So uh I guess let me any one of you can answer. Um, and we didn't cover this on the way, but if you want to answer, you can just do this to let us know that you're going to talk. So you don't talk over each other. That that was the thing I forgot when I said, Hey, it seemed like there was something else I was going to tell you guys before we yeah. get started. And it's that if you just do this, we're not going to interrupt each other as easily, which the listeners can't hear us, but we're just raising our hand. That's what we're doing with this. Yeah. So, go ahead, Kurt. So I guess my first question is this, what is spiritually, what is the most encouraging thing that you've experienced in college so that could be uh your church a small group uh, a roommate or a teammate or a sorority sister or fraternity brother who has encouraged you in some way and how did they encourage you um okay so i would say um i'm involved in ruf which is reform university fellowship and um that freshman year was really awesome to come into because it was uh, just a Christian community already there for me. And um, I got to meet a bunch of different people. And um, through that, I got to meet older people and um, got to have them pour into me. And then through that, this past year, so sophomore year, I got to um, do a Bible study with um some girls on Sunday nights with um, girls that are in different sorority than me and girls that are younger than me and girls that are older than me. And so that was really encouraging to have those friendships that were um, based on the Lord. And like this year, I've really learned that like friendships that are based on the Lord are just like so much more encouraging than friendships that are not. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that Miller. And that's kind of, you know, RUF, it's been mentioned on this podcast plenty of times. We've had RUF campus ministers on this podcast. I mean, personally speaking, it was massive how the Lord used that in my own life. But you kind of bring up something practical there of having older believers, you know, at college, people that have, you know, been through their freshman year, been through their sophomore year. It's like, okay, they know what to experience. And um, yeah, that's just so important to, to have those older believers um, you know, uh, in that, in, in community. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, Coleman, I think I saw you, um, raise your hand as well. So Coleman, what you got? Yeah. Um, one of my biggest things freshman year was, uh, one of my pledge brothers in my fraternity. Um, he, he and I kind of had like similar high school, uh, things that went on. And so being able to come to Auburn and talk to him about, things that we both experienced and both struggled with, uh, we started, he became like my county accountability brother and we started talking about different things. And then we started a, a small group um, with some other guys and those guys ended up leaving Auburn, they ended up graduating. Uh, and so now we started another small group this this year with some other uh, guys who brought some of the next pledge class in and are continuing to do that. And the guys that I've met in my fraternity have been a, a really big help and a really kind of like a rock to build the foundation on a lot. Uh, I'm really thankful for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Something, um, well, Kurt, I see you've got your hand up, get for it. Well, I was just going to ask, um, tell me a little bit about, talk to me a little bit about going to church, finding a church home 
in your in your college town. All of you had the same church experience growing up in high school. So y'all, um, what what were you looking for, or you know, in the church in the church that you attend, what what do you really appreciate about it, or how did it encourage you spiritually? Um, I didn't really have to do a whole lot of uh, church searching because basically Kurt told me where I should go, but it was Grace Press. <laughs> But I visited it and I did love it at first. So Kurt was actually right this time. But um, I just, I don't know. I just, it was a big RUF crowd there. Like pretty much everyone that went to RUF went to Grace Prez. So it was kind of like already um, like a community there. It was weird freshman year because we didn't have a RUF minister my freshman year because it was, we were switching over. Um, so RUF was kind of hard. So I've like had a lot of comfort and grace because it was RUF people, but we weren't doing a lot of events, but um, like the interns really reached out to me and I sat with them at church a lot, but I will say something that was hard about um, church, right. When you get to college is one thing about growing up, like in our church in Montgomery, we all had similar upbringing. So like, you know, it was just part of our lives. We just went to church on Sundays with our families, but when you get to college, no one's forcing you to go to church that's like a decision you make yourself. And that was definitely obviously something that I knew that I wanted to do. I wanted to keep going, but I would say it was kind of hard, like at first going by myself and like, you know, going to church, sitting by myself, having to like introduce myself to people and talk to people I didn't know because I didn't know anyone at Mississippi State either. So that's a big challenge um, for freshman year. But I just would say like, you just really have to put yourself out there and like, it's okay to go to church by yourself. Like you don't need people to go with and it gets easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Ivy. I know um, not too long ago, we had uh, Tree Triolo on here, and he was talking about some of the advice he gives his graduating seniors. And he had heard it from some, somebody else, but he said, uh, you know, go to church that first Sunday that you're there, because if you miss the first Sunday, it just gets easier to miss the next and miss the next and, you know, to, to get in the, the habit of that, because I can remember that. I mean, it's like, as you, you guys are saying this, I'm thinking of Oh, I can remember like the first Sunday where I was off on my own and it's kind of like I had the decision. I could sleep mm-hmm. in if I wanted to. I could, you know, go or, or not. Um, so, yeah. What What is, um, yeah, let me ask too. Well, go ahead, Kurt. You got something else? Well, no, you asked your question and then I, there is something very specific about these students that I think we should talk about. Okay. Um, and I don't want to get us on a rabbit trail, but also because of when these guys graduated, they graduated during the pandemic. Hmm. They graduated in 2020. And they went to college their first year in still in the pandemic, hmm. right? And they did a lot of classes on Zoom. I guess y'all's whole fall semester would have been mostly on Zoom and not even in person. So do you, you know, this might take a second for you to think of an yeah. answer, but like, how did that change versus maybe your sophomore year when things opened up again? How much differently was that spiritually for you guys? Like the, or were there some advantages of being um, in in quarantine or being in socially distanced your first year in college. And I guess too, um, we'll get, go ahead, Coleman, you, you had your hand up, go for it. Uh, well, for us, um, RUF something I wish I could have gotten involved in uh, my freshman year, but at, at Auburn, it was, it was kind of difficult to get into just because only one set of people could be in person and have to do a rotation. There was just different things going on. And then some of the other churches were still trying to figure out what exactly to do with COVID and all the different things. So it was, it was, there definitely was a struggle to get plugged in 
the places that had to be like regulated by the pandemic had to abide by either university or just health guidelines. Uh, so that was definitely a struggle to figure out and struggle to get in, into things. And so when things started opening back up, it, it kind of made myself and others like want to get more involved in things and want to start getting getting deeper in different activities besides RUF or just the church, just different outreach things. Mm-hmm. With pandemic for us, um, RUF was a constant that was there since like when I got on campus, they were like, we're going to have freshman Bible study um, every Monday in the Grove. We're going to have our large groups, like maybe you'll have to wear masks, but like we're going to have this no matter that there's a pandemic or not, which was really awesome for me coming in because a lot of other events were canceled my freshman year and like I didn't get to have a lot of the normal quote unquote freshman year but because of um RUF saying we're going to do it no matter what it was really cool just to be like well this is where I'm going to be and like my friends that I started to meet um knew that that's where I was going to be on Wednesday nights and they were like well we don't have anything else we're we have to do so like let's just go and so that was honestly like a pro for the pandemic for me because it was a constant and it was scheduled and I had other people that wanted to go with me because there was nothing else to do. So that was really cool for me and honestly such a relief like going into it knowing that I had that on Mondays and Wednesdays and the other things that they did throughout the week. Mm -hmm. Yeah that's that's huge. I mean just thinking back to the pandemic and and knowing those things that you could schedule and those things that you could could have to kind of look forward to in the midst of it was was huge. I want to I want to go back to your senior year, each of each of your uh, senior years. What what did Kurt do well uh, to prepare you for college? Um, I know Kurt's not going to like that question. I don't care. Um, but but sincerely, I mean, um, was there something you look back on and you think of this was helpful that we did it, this in youth group and it got me ready for college or one statement he made, a conversation, anything that comes to mind um, that kind of prepared you guys for college? Anything? If they say nothing, Kurt, this is going to be really sad. <laughs> Col- Coleman's got something. I, I'd say um, I think you really – built a strong foundation for all of us to stand on uh exactly and like what we believe why we believe it and just in other things of just songs and worship really taught us like what was good and what what, what really wasn't that good um i remember one time we we went to a uh winter retreat and the speaker was a little <laughs> it was a little rough um <laughs> And I remember we get back and it's, I think it may have been the next Sunday and we get back and he asked us like, did y'all like the speaker? And the general response was, no, we did not like the speaker. And he said, okay, that's valid. But like, why did you not like the speaker? And I think I was seventh grade, but a lot of the older kids like had legitimate reasons why they didn't enjoy the speaker and why they didn't think that it was the best message. And after that whole conversation, I kind of felt like, sure, you can, you can always not like something, but you have to have a reason why you have to have like a legitimate backing as to why you like something or don't like something. So I think Kurt has really taught us 
the good and the bad and the strong foundation what it is. That's good. And just having kind of that thoughtful critique. Um, that, that's good. Miller, did I see your hand up? Yeah. yeah. Go for it. Um, so I agree with Coleman. The foundation really was there um, going into college, which was awesome. But I also um, think Kurt does a really good job of building a community with um, people that are like us and not like us in our youth group and like bonding us all together. And that's like how I knew what a Christian community was supposed to look like. So going into college, um, knowing from our youth group and like how Kurt taught us um, how to love each other and just like love well um, was really cool and encouraging. Hmm. That's good. Ivy, did you have anything? No pressure I, if you I, don't. I don't want to force it. I, I want to ask Ivy a question specifically, actually, because I know a little bit. Um, but uh, I appreciate I'll I'll pay Coleman and Miller extra for I, I coming up with some. Oh, I got something to say now. <laughs> Hold on. I do. I, I mean, I'll, I'll let Ivy answer however she wants. But I also want to ask her specifically, because one thing that Ivy did in the youth group is that she of all the students I've had, she's one of the ones who went on mission trips the most. Um, I think all these students went on mission trips with us. Um, but I think. Ivy, your first one was in like seventh grade. You might have yeah, gone. I went to, every year. Yeah, mm -hmm. so she went every year. So I was just curious how if that had any effect on how you did college in any way, um, or what you learned from those. Because I know that was kind of a unique thing about her story. So, um, I would say, well, the big thing about the signing up for mission trips, I didn't care who was going on the trips. I would always just be like, I'd see the signups and I'd be like, okay, I want to go. Because after that first time, I went on the first one. I knew that that's just how I wanted to spend my spring breaks because that's always when we went. And um, so I, that was a big thing about college. Like whenever there was a church event or a RUF event, I was like, I don't care if my friends are going or not. I'm just going to go and like try to put myself out there more. Um, and I think the mission trips were a big part of that because a lot of people like I didn't always have my friends there. Like the only person that I always knew that was going to be there was Kurt. And like, yeah, that was good. And you still went. I mean, that's yeah, impressive. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that prepared me for that aspect of stuff. Like if someone invites you to something or like a church thing or RUF thing, you don't have to ask who's going because it doesn't matter. Like you can build a relationship with anyone there. And I think that really helped um, with college. Hmm. So something I'd like to ask too, um, is uh, devotional habits. And I've heard, I think it was Kevin DeYoung who said, if you ever want to make somebody feel guilty, ask them about their prayer life and their Bible reading. So I'm not trying to make anyone, um, you know, feel guiltier. Um, I'm just curious kind of, and again, I, I don't know the three of you. I don't know, um, you know, if you read the Bible every day in high school or, or not, but just kind of wondering how has it changed um, your devotional habits in high school to college. I mean, for me, I hardly read the Bible in high school. Um, and it wasn't until college where the Lord really did um, do a work in my heart to, to just see that as an important part of my life. And RUF played a major factor in that. Um, so I'm just curious, kind of devotional um, habits, uh, the impact, good or bad. Um, just curious if anybody wants to jump in on that. While they're thinking, I'll just say that when I was in college, uh, I, I got to high school and I, I got through high school and I thought that I knew a lot about the Bible. 
Hmm. Uh, and when I got to college, I realized, hey, you might ought to read it before you <laughs> say that you think that you know something about it. It's a crazy idea, I know. And then I got to seminary, John, and I realized that just even reading it, like, <laughs> I've never felt dumber than my first um, seminary class. My goodness, class. yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, totally. So when you were saying that, that's exactly, that's exa- that was my college experience as well. I, re- I did most of my Bible reading began in college. Yeah. I thought, Miller, did you, were you going to say something? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, for me, this goes back to COVID. And in high school, I did my devotion because that's what I was supposed to do. And like my parents told me, um, that's how you get closer to the Lord. And so I would do it. I just read through it right before I go to bed. I'd close my devotional book, maybe sometimes read the scripture at the bottom. Um, but when COVID hit, all my busyness stopped and I just had so much time in the day to be able to sit and just like sit at the foot of the Lord and uh, be able to open the Bible and like not just read the scripture at the bottom of the devotion, but like read passages and like dive into that. And so I think that really helped going into college because I had had however many months, I don't know what that was, but whenever COVID started to when I went to college, so going into college, I um, just was in that routine of um, like opening my Bible and actually reading it. And yeah, there were days when I skipped and I'm thankful for grace on those days. Um, But I could honestly tell on the days when I um, woke up early and like did my devotion and um, just sat with the Lord. I could tell like my, the difference in my days and like the joy that was brought through that, which was really cool. Um, But yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's that's helpful. I mean, yeah, for, for me, it's, um, you know, I mean, to, to sometimes you can wake up and you just get going about your day and it's like, oh, wow, um, it'll hit me at a point of the day where I realize I haven't given much thoughts to the Lord today or my own brokenness or being thankful for the gospel. And so kind of, um, Miller, what you're saying of um, how it impacts the rest of your day, it's just kind of you're, you're opening it up and it just yeah creates that reflection uh, each and every day. Go ahead, Kurt. I was going to ask Coleman a question specifically. We didn't mention this at the beginning, but um, I mean, it does help that I know him, John, and you don't. So, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I mean, you're Just asking, you're asking, what's, what's, what's such a shame is that you're asking better questions than me, even though I have all the advantages, <laughs> uh, but uh, that's kind of par for the course with this podcast, by the way. Um, but Coleman is a cheerleader at Auburn. Um, so he, that means that he's part of like a community that not everybody you know, when you're on a sports team or you're doing cheer or doing those kind of things, then you're part of a community that not everyone else is a part of. That's like a special set off situation. And I was just wondering, because we probably have, we might have people who, uh, youth ministers who listen to this, who have students who are going to go play sports or go be in the band or go do. And I was just wondering if you learned anything in your time, you've only done it a year. I, I get, I get that. But in your time that you've been doing cheer, how has that affected your walk with the Lord or, you know, in, in good, in ways, good or bad. So, and you might not even have an answer to this. I'm really putting you on the spot, but I just thought I would ask. Uh, that's, I've been thinking about that for a while. Um, just because in at Auburn, 
for the most part, it's always people just kind of assume that you're Christian. There's just, there's just this culture that I mean, people just kind of assume you're Christian until proven until proven otherwise. Um, and I'd I'd say probably for the the cheerleading team and people that have tried out and all that kind of thing, there's there is a a culture. There there are a lot of believers in that people that have tried out before made it or not made it people who are believers, but then there's also people that, that aren't. And, but even for the people that aren't, there's still that kind of, Oh, they're, they're, you know, they're Christian or maybe they're not going to church all the time, but they're still, they're still Christian. Um, and for this past year for myself, there've been, there've been some positives and negatives to cheerleading. Uh, especially with, with Christianity. And I say for the positive part, though, is um, I met my best friend on the cheer team, and he's um, someone that I can talk to about anything. He's a He loves the Lord. He He's interned for different churches in Auburn, and um, I can talk to him about anything, Christian or unchristian. Uh, he's my accountability brother now. Um, we, we can go through anything. And for the so that's, that's been good. So I've been have, able to have like good conversations, conversations with people that are in love with the Lord and that aren't in love with the Lord. Uh, and that's been really cool, really neat just to go through that whole process. But uh, the negatives. Before, say, before, hold on, before you, before you get to the negatives, would you say that you have, do you, do you feel like cheerleading gives you a platform to be able to talk to people in a way that where they listen where other people might not is that is that is that do you get put into people's lives um more easily because you're you know wearing the uniform and and people is that, is that something that happens or yeah I mean, i've never been uh, a cheerleader so or been on a sports team that was successful so <laughs> i don't know so i'm just asking I, honestly <laughs> yeah our coach our coach always says like you could be someone's first um you could be the reason someone finds out what Auburn is, or you can be the person, you can be the first representation of Auburn to people. Uh, and so of course, like if I'm wearing a uniform and a person's never heard of Auburn university, I'm the first person, I'm their first interaction, but also it can be someone who isn't Christian. And, you know, in my interactions with, with fans or with different people taking pictures, you know, I don't, I'm not going to have a, a deep spiritual conversation with them because just, we're just in passing. But I do try and let it be known that they're loved, that I try to let the gospel be shown through my interactions with them. And maybe they don't understand it at that certain time, but maybe later down the road, they'll figure out like, oh, like this is why he did that. Um, I think that's, so that, I, just, I just think that's so cool because in a lot of ways, that's what being a believer is. Because you might be the first time that someone's ever heard of Jesus. And that's, you know, if you're a Christian, right? That's what a Christian is. It's someone who represents Christ. We're, I mean, in many ways, you. I mean, not to like get super tired on this metaphor, but like in many ways, we're not playing the game. You know, like we're not the one who achieves our salvation. We're on the sidelines cheering, you know, like happy that we get to win, even though we scored no touchdowns or hit no home runs. Um, so anyway, I just think that's interesting. I, obviously I've worked with several cheerleaders now. Um, so, um, I just think that's a pretty cool, 
a pretty cool thing. Anyway, sorry, John. Yeah. I kind of derailed the podcast. So you can edit all this out. If you want. <laughs> no, you did, did not derail it. So we, we are um, kind of approaching time on this. Um, I'm just curious, before we close this out, okay, if a senior in high school came up to you guys now and just said, hey, give me some advice on, you know, making the transition to college, um, what's something you would tell? You know, some advice I know, you might feel like, oh, wow, I haven't been through college yet. But no, still, you have wisdom to offer because you're experiencing that now. I'd love to hear from each of you just some thoughts of, you know, if a senior in high school comes up to you and asks you for advice. Does anybody have anything? Okay, Miller. Okay. Um, so going to Ole Miss, I was the only one from Montgomery um, going. So that was sort of nerve-wracking going and not really knowing anybody. Um, but I was told going into my freshman year that like everyone wants to make friends and um, people might be too scared to ask so always be the one to um, invite people into your dorm room or over to your house or go to get coffee or go on a walk and that was um, really helpful to me because I could have just sat in my dorm room and just been like nobody wants to hang out with me like this Mm. is so scary and but honestly like everyone's in the same position no matter if all their friends are coming um, all their high school friends are going to the same college as them or not. So that was um, an awesome piece of advice that I was given. And also, I just think it's really important to um, get plugged into a church um, your first semester of college. And like, you can jump around and look um, at other college, at other churches and stuff. But I think by the end of your first semester, you should try to like be constantly going to the same church because Um, just getting plugged in and getting to know the older people in the church is um, so awesome and they can pour into you and then hopefully you can um, get involved maybe with the um, children in the church and like get to pour into them and then it's just more of a community other than just like the almost community but it's the Oxford community as a whole and so Mm -hmm. yeah that's important yeah that's that's excellent advice yeah Ivy or Coleman Uh, do y'all have anything yes Ivy Um, I was in the same boat as Miller with like none of my friends from Montgomery going. Um, So like our friends, like Coleman went to Auburn. So a lot of our high school friends went to Auburn. And I think when you have a lot of friends from high school going um, at first, it's easy to like, you know, gravitate to towards the people you already know and kind of hang on to them before, you know, branching out. And so I will say if you're, whether you're doing that or you're like me and Miller and we didn't know anyone, try to like meet new people right off the bat, like really just put yourself out there because you don't want like a bunch of time to pass. And then you realize, you know, you've just been hanging with people from high school the whole time. But like Miller said, everyone's, everyone's scared. Everyone's trying to meet people too their freshman year. And um, that can be tough. So just like, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. And then I kind of touched on this earlier, but don't be scared to go to church by yourself. Even if, you know, the people that you meet your freshman year, the people in your dorm, if they aren't going to church, like you can go by yourself. It's also good to invite people. And like, they may say no, because that has happened to me to invite people to church and they just, they don't want to go, but um, it's okay to go by yourself. And it is really important to do that. Like right off the bat, because, you know, there'll be times and like seasons of life where you get out of routine and you don't go for a week and then, you know, it'll just keep happening if you don't like break the cycle. So I just think it's important to get plugged into a church right off the bat. And if, you know, if you're at the right church or a good church, people are going to come up and talk to you. People are going to want to sit with you, you know, people that are members and um, you'll figure that out when you're visiting. So just try to get plugged in. Yeah, it's really good. It's helpful. 
Coleman, not to put you on the spot, but do you have anything? Yeah. Um, I think my advice would just be mine's more um, practical than it is religious. Um, I say just don't take yourself too seriously. Um, it's okay to miss a class. It's okay to not turn into homework. Uh, I'm guilty of the first more than the latter. But it's okay to put yourself out there and fail. Uh, I think some people at college do take themselves too seriously. And then after college, they're going to say, oh, man, I wish I had done this in college. I wish I had done this and did that. And one of the things my sister told me for, before going to college was like, hey, it's okay to go on like a midnight coffee run. Like it's okay to go out and do random things at random times and maybe put school second for once. Uh, so yeah, just don't, you're there for school. You're there to learn, but while you're there, you can also have a lot of fun. And so I think that sometimes prioritize having fun with your friends, like playing a game or doing something besides just studying all the time. Yeah, that, that's good. Um, like you said, I mean, academically, uh, you know, academics are, are important, but they're not the ultimate thing. And so, yeah, to, to be able to kind of relax a little bit and just enjoy it and uh, maybe, yeah, not take things too seriously. That's good. Um, Kurt, I know we're wrapping this up and uh, you're already wrapping it up because you're on your phone as we're talking, but um, do you, do you have anything that you want to add before we, we get off this? Are you ready for me to make John feel guilty? Because yes, he someone was calling me with a spiritual emergency and I needed to text him back immediately. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, I was just going to say, uh, based on what they said about uh, putting yourself out there and uh, like being willing to go to church by yourself or being willing to do stuff on your own without asking who's going to be there or not taking yourself too seriously. All of that is connected, I think, to the like what it is, what we have in Christ, which is in Christ, he gives us our identity of who we are. And if you go to college looking for an identity, like who am I going to be? Well, the world's going to give you lots of different options there, and not all of them are super great. <laughs> There's some of them really hurt you uh, and can be really damaging, even if they feel good in the immediate in the immediate term, in the long term. So anyway. Also, I just want to thank the interns. I kind of made them do this. <laughs> I mean, I'm their boss and they kind of have to do what I say. Uh, I did ask them, but what are they going to say? It's their first day. I was like, no, we're not going to do this tomorrow. Wait, is it so, their first day? Uh, it's their se today's their second day. I asked them on okay. their first day. So, wow. um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, thank you all for coming on and doing this. John really thanks you because this is his job and we're just helping him out out of the goodness of our hearts. That's so, right. um, yes. <laughs> but th thank you all for doing this. Yeah, no, I was going to say that before we got off. Um, Kurt, thank you for, for getting this together. Coleman, Ivy, Miller, thank you for, for being a part of this. Uh, I mean, it was cool to hear just a lot of different things, but kind of the, the common theme of the importance of the church and being a part of the local church. Um, so I appreciate y'all taking the time to come on today. Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come and feast without